you want to go by Abe or Abraham? Oh, yeah. I, also, <laughs> I think we'll go back and forth, but start with Abraham. Okay. Because okay. that's what's going to be on the ballot. Abraham will be on the ballot. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And then we can just go back. But Abe is... Yeah, but since we know you, yeah, it's like who's dead versus two. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel. I am Jose. And this week with us, we have the great Abraham Melendrez. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. And this uh, week, well, first, you know, let's talk about, well, we're going to be talking about Abraham and his um, his um, campaign for uh, Santa Maria Bonita, Bonita School Board. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about what we have on tap this week, Jose. What is it? Uh, I don't have you, a can next to me. You brought us this Rincon Brewery. Waves of Grain out of Carpinteria, California. All right. What does that even mean, Rincon? Jose. Jose. Jose Antonio. What does, what does Rincon mean? You don't know. Rincon. It's crazy. You don't know. I don't. No sense. It's corner. Corner? Yes. Oh. You got to, you're going you're to get better. One of these Worst days. Mexican yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody that hears the word Rincon knows. Maybe. You guys will learn something right now. Yeah, that's, that's the greatest surf spot in all of California and maybe in all the world. It's oh. just past Carpinteria, and you can see it as you turn the corner on the freeway. It's, mm. it's just outstanding. It's, it's outstanding surfing. I've never, I've never surfed there. We know Rincono so can be translated to the spot. Oh, my oh. goodness. Yeah. Which is so perfect because it's like double now. Because <laughs> yeah. Waves break better at a corner. And that's a mm-hmm. corner in the coastline. But we also talk all the time about surf spots, right? Yeah. So there we go. Anyway, it's a bl- it's a blonde, right? Yeah. And it's very, very easily uh, easy drinking. And um, it's not a uh, lager like we like to have on this show, but it's like a lager. This is the closest ale to, to a lager. Very easy drinking. You have a chance to get it. It is at Trader Joe's. And um, oh. the next beer we're going to have, by the way, if anybody wants a second, is of course Tijuana beer. I've never Ooh. had this here. That's a lager. So. so from Belgian style blonde ale to Tijuana for to straight lager. Yes, nice. Sounds good. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be a bit loquacious, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, Joel? I just would love to talk this week about the fiestas whose origins are unknown. We love to drink in our culture, and so we'll take any opportunity to drink. And so we drink to these these events that we have no idea where they came from, where they come from. For instance, right now is Oktoberfest, yeah. and um, that is actually something that starts in October. I mean, in September, not in October. And it's um, really a celebration of uh, the the wedding in Munich way back when of a prince and princess. And, of course, the other one that people totally get wrong is Cinco de Mayo. Everyone thinks that's Mexican Independence Day, which just happened September 21st, I believe. Is it September 21st, 29th, 15th? Okay. I I always get that wrong myself. 
which is ridiculous. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo, I don't actually, I don't even know. I think it's just like a minor holiday, and the beer company's totally. So Cinco de Mayo, actually, if I remember remember correctly, was a victory over the French forces. Yes. Oh yeah, in Puebla. Okay. In Puebla. Puebla. But yeah. then what in ended Puebla, up yeah. happening was they went back, regrouped, and then. Returned to Mexico and won. Yeah. Am I correct in that? Uh, I'm not quite sure about the follow-up, but yes, it was definitely the standoff against the, the French army and the victory over them. It, it probably right around the time when Mexico got its independence in like 1821, or maybe maybe it was a lot earlier. I don't know. But um, I've had kids, and it's so interesting, whose names are Maximiliano in my class, and I love that. I have one. I'm pretty sure that comes from the French emperor at the time, but I'm not 100% sure at the time of, of that of that battle. Another one, St. Paddy's Day. Ah, right? yes. Mm. I mean, nobody knows about St. Paddy's, or why? Was that his birthday or something? Or I, I don't even know myself. It might be his look that martyrdom date. I don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I don't even know that he was necessarily a drinker either, which is crazy. It had nothing to do with that. It had more yeah. to do with bringing about the conversion of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Not um, not getting wasted. Yeah. St. Patrick, the uh, yeah. patron saint of Ireland. I'm trying to think of others. Help me out. What are some huge drinking holidays? Those are the big three. Those are. Valentine's Day is coming up. Halloween kind of hits it. Halloween and Dia de los Muertos are... Yeah, fairly um, drunken holidays, but um, not like those three. Those are sort of known. Mm. And of course, Oktoberfest lasts a whole month. Yeah. What do you have for us this month, Jose? For this week? For this week. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm all over the place here. So because we have Abraham on and he's a candidate for the school board, I wanted to talk a little bit about how as Catholics, and that's what we do every, or I do, I should say, every week I have a little Catholic minute, if you will. Every election, the bishops... The United States um, Catholic Conference of Bishops releases a document called Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. A lot of people think like, oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to go vote, and the only thing I care about is abortion. That's my one issue. Well, the bishops release this document, which a lot of people ignore. It's completely comprehensive. It's about how your faith can be applied to shaping the world or promoting social justice. So yeah, abortion might be one issue, but there are all kinds of other issues, such as the environment, healthcare. There's a whole range of issues aside from that one. And so really what you're supposed to do as a voter, especially if you're a Catholic voter and you are faithful and you pay attention, um, is to balance it all and figure out which candidate in the end will promote the most um, good. Right, will promote the common good, and which one will have, you know, the least negative impact. And so, I, I just want to encourage people out there: if you're a single issue voter and you're a Christian, especially if you call yourself Catholic, the church does not endorse single issue voting. I'd like to take this on a very slight detour sure. and talk about how Catholics oftentimes ignore, in other words, the uh, the death penalty, even yeah. though the Catholic Church says no to the death penalty. Yeah. And I don't know, that bugs me because me too. now that we know for sure there have been instances of innocent people put to death, mm-hmm. and, and there were just a bunch of people in Illinois, I think of many states, who were taken off of death row after they were with DNA evidence and other evidence proven to be innocent. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we as a culture can still support the death penalty. It bugs me. Me too. Um, a lot of Catholics, and this, of course it's not just Catholics, it's, it's other um, religions too, they are super anti-abortion, which I can totally respect, but 
they're really, really pro death penalty. Death penalty. Yeah, it's, con- it's consistent. Yeah. So you're supposed to be consistent with life, from yeah. if that's your perspective. If you're Christian, right? Yeah. From beginning to end, not like when it's convenient. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, you end up just being pro-birth, and that's not a consistent ethic of life. It's like we're super into protecting babies, the unborn. But then, like once they're born, you're on your own, Jack. Right. Like that's not at all how it's supposed to be. Right. So, Abraham, do you have something you want to share for a couple minutes? Yeah. Well, um, I don't think there's a whole lot. It's just kind of been busy with uh, with the campaign trail, and and thankfully I'm able to take a a bit of a break from work to focus on that, and so definitely been connecting uh, with my family and stuff, and it's just uh, it's been good, you know. Now that uh, now that we're gonna be doing a campaign 100% of the time, we're gonna looking at doing some family barbecues and hopefully yeah. some fundraising in there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. It's kind of interesting that I'm that I'm kind of excited that I'm, I'm leaving work for a little bit so that I can focus on my campaign. Uh, you know, I, I, most people will be nervous, but uh, I think I'm excited. I'm excited for this race. That's cool. I think it's great that our board is thought of highly enough that you would actually consider doing that because too many people give campaigning to this C, which is so important, not enough thought mm-hmm. and not enough priority. So thank you for doing that. That's a huge yeah. commitment on your absolutely, part. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% committed. And, you know, to be to be clear, too, um, one of the reasons I also decided to take that break is because, you know, work is very involved in, in some of the election stuff. Um, and so we want to make sure there's a fine line. You know, there's no preference and you know, um, any funny business we want to be. Uh, what is your work, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I'm a, a, by day, I'm a community organizer okay. uh, with COS. And oh, and so, of course, uh, we had... We had the great Hazel Davalos yes, on the show. Yeah. She was on our show so a few episodes ago. Yeah, so she's my supervisor. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for about two years since I came back from Berkeley. And uh, I've been loving it. You know, I've been working directly with high school students, junior high students, uh, but mostly college students. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also do um, I, I kind of lead a coalition here we call it the North County Coalition and it's kind of like a labor faith a nonprofit coalition of a bunch of different organizations we have like you know like United Domestic Workers we have like Catholic Guadalupe Catholic Workers um, we have you know NAACP and, and a lot of really awesome organizations that uh, I'm honored to you know to have them uh, for them to have accepted me you know as kind of like the organizer for that coalition that is the perfect segue. <laughs> I'm slow today into our main topic, which is... Abraham Lendres and his campaign. And can I just start by asking, so what is your main impetus for deciding to run for this school board seat? What was what was the spark, shall we say? Yeah, well, you know, it's it really is a process. Um, you know, I was joking with people, like, I didn't just think about it last week. And I was like, oh, yeah, we could run for... This is, this is actually something that's that's been kind of brewing for... You know, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> has been brewing for for quite a while. By the way, we got to clean glasses <laughs> right, right now. Cheers, cheers. To that pun, because we always do this and then sometimes we forget. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's something that has definitely, I've been thinking a lot about it, you know, doing some soul searching and, and talking with my, you know, my fiance and family and friends. 
friends. And uh, But I think the biggest decision is just comes down to the fact that I was a student in the same district, right? So I was born here in Santa Maria, but uh, I grew up in Mexico for about nine years, right? As you know, they took me ho- they took me to Mexico uh, when I was a baby. and uh, But it was thanks to, you know, my grandmother who kind of got us out, out of there uh, that I, we were able to come back, and I was an English learning student. Um, and uh, so that's one thing. And then the, the other one is obviously, you know, working with the community, with parents specifically, uh, and just seeing kind of like the struggles that they're facing every day. I think there's really a lot of disconnect. Mm. You know, I, I, I do believe that most of our parents, if not all, are very much committed to the children's education, but it's very, very difficult when you're looking at working 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, in a job that, that pays the minimum wage. Boy, do we see that. I mean, we yeah. have to... We have to understand that so that we can clue in our students to things that, and parents to things that they wouldn't otherwise know about. Yeah. They don't know about really basic things, and we teachers and we and the board needs to do a better job cluing them into what it takes to get into college, right. what homework is, and and getting them to read novels on their own, and getting them to to do all these things that, in uh, to be honest, a lot of the parents don't come from that tradition. So it's up to us teachers almost to be quasi-parents in yeah. a sense, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of parents blindly trust the district or the you know the schools to to know what's best for the children. But can I just interject yeah. again how amazing our parents are to teachers? I've got tons of relatives mm-hmm. who teach throughout the state, and parents are always on their cases. Mm-hmm. But Jose, back me up on this. We get nothing but respect from parents. Totally. It's beautiful. I've only had a few exceptions to that rule in my entire career. But 99.9% of parents will defer to me Mm. always. Yeah. And it's humbling to have parents trust you that much. It is. And we have to honor that trust. We can't take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and I'm really excited about Abraham running because. You, when you were going through our district, um, you were the kind of student that sits in our class who's an English learner. Yes. And I think we have teachers who um, maybe kind of lose hope in those students. Like, they get frustrated. But you're like a a living, breathing example of one of these EL students who have just blossomed. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't always uh, such a pretty picture, to be honest, but... uh... You know, when I got here, I think I was in fourth grade, and definitely has some has some struggles with with everything. And uh, and I think what what really kind of changed more of the trajectory for me was when my sixth grade teacher she noticed I was having issues, and that, and and so I'll share a little bit that I was I'm actually a survivor of abuse. So those nine years that I lived in Mexico, I was exposed to all kinds of abuses that you can imagine, and that was one of the reasons also why we left. And so when when I was having these issues, you know. Know, uh, in sixth grade, the teacher all she had to all she did really that that really changed my life was just come to my desk while we were working and and kind of he kneeled down and asked me how are you doing like have you know I, I see you're very very thought you know lost in your thoughts and I want to make sure that you're okay and and it didn't quite hit right then and there but it really did begin the process of of starting this kind of like of getting the help you know I got an IEP soon after when I was a fessler but it took a long time you know so it was a very 
very long process. I was in special education uh, for for most of my high school years, and Gosh, and what I, an amazing story <laughs> yeah. this is. And and I'm proud. I always tell people I'm very proud to share that I graduated high school when I was 21 years old because I almost dropped out. But if it wasn't for uh, that special education program, I wouldn't have done it. And I'm proud because both of my parents didn't even finish sixth grade where they come wow. from. You know. I think that we teachers often do lose hope, like you said. We see, we don't see the, because we lose you in junior high after two years, we don't see the result. So yeah. many times with people who are learning a new language, it just, it happens, you know? And if we don't get to witness it, we think that we're failures at, as teachers. We don't have trust that the kids are going to make it. Oh, man. So who was your... <laughs> yes. I, I know the answer. Well, I know the... Well, two, yeah. I know the answer to one of them. So who was that sixth grade teacher? Uh, so obviously I don't know many of my teachers by first name because we, obviously as kids we don't really um, use that a whole lot but uh, we used to go uh, by Miss Batterson and then okay this is the answer I do know who was your teacher in high school your special ed teacher who helped you out that was Glenn Golden the great Glenn Golden, <laughs> Glenn Golden. who we will have on this show we need to have Glenn on here who is so passionate about his kids I have seen him get teary eyed many a time mm-hmm. talking about his kids and we just sit around and are, um, we're just in awe of, of how much he loves his kids. He's yeah. awesome. And then funny enough, it was, it was through the arts that uh-huh. I was able to get back into education. He forced me. <laughs> I always joke around. He, he was just to kick my butt, but he, he did it in a very loving way. And he forced me, I always like to joke, uh, to take a piano class at, at Hancock College. Wow. And, and that later turned into, oh, I want to learn Italian. And that later turned into anthropology and sciences and biology. And next thing you know, I'm transferring to UC Berkeley and doing those, those other things. And, and it all started oh, because gosh. he got me at that level. So that's definitely something that I want to embody with our students that I think it's very important that we're doing the STEM uh, focus, but we need to add that A and make it right. Any student steam, man. Yes. So I'm not sorry, just Joel. STEM, but steam. You um, know what? This is such a great this story. Is. This is this is awesome. So, you know, this makes me super proud to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I want to go out and do a better job with my EL kids for one, and kids who are struggling sure. because you know what? Yeah, sure. They end up like like you, like Abraham. Abraham. This is amazing. Can I call you Abe? Yeah, of course. That's okay. uh, so. Yeah. So most of my signs are gonna say Abe. Uh, you know, just because I want to make sure people know me, you know, that I'm a, I'm a personal guy, right? Like I, I have nothing to hide. If anything, I think politicians that tend to kind of live or show this perfect life, I'm very much, you know, a very imperfect person. And and I think the more we can show that, the more people can realize really what your values and what kind of representative you're going to be. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So, so yeah, most of my signs are going to have a Melendris, but on the ballot, it will be Abraham, Um, Mm. you know, but I think most people can hopefully make that connection. Thanks to a past president. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can we move on to what school did you go to as an elementary Mm -hmm. kid for what? Mm Yeah, so I, I went to um, Miller. We, we have my wife yeah. sitting here. I'm going to embarrass her right now. She's a teacher at Miller, so we're pointing at her right now. She doesn't want to talk. Yay, Miller. Yeah, there we go. That's her first words on this go podcast. Mustangs. Yeah. Go Mustangs. Yeah. And then your junior high? Junior high was Fessler. All right, let's have another, <laughs> let's have another toast. We're all alumni of Fessler here. I went to Fessler. Yeah, we all three did. I went to Fessler. <laughs> so I'm going to have another beer. Does anybody want another oh. beer? And then, which high school did you go to? Open this up right here. Oh, we already know. (laughs) Oh, snap. That totally exploded. You already know you went to Saturday High School? 
I went to Center May High, the great Mr. Golden. Yes, and uh, I went to, well, you know, when I got my AEP, I was sent to County Special Education, which is over by uh, Fitzgerald. Mm. Um, So we used to have this little classroom that they wouldn't let us talk to all the other students. (laughs) And I remember walking into that, that, uh, it was the Center for Therapeutic Education. Oh, my goodness. And I remember just feeling so intimidated. But I ended up making some very, like, lifelong friends there. Mm. Some of them, unfortunately, are not with us anymore. You know, they... They, uh, because of their struggles yeah. um, with well, um, suicide. suicide. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, uh, so some of my friends have passed away from that. So that's another big of my passion. So, you know, one of the reasons mm-hmm. I actually study psychology for my undergrad. And uh, but, that actually is a big issue, even in oh, junior yes. highs. It's, it's, yes. And it's good. It would be great to have a board member who totally understands that issue. Yeah. It, it, well, I myself was, you know, it was kind of affected by a lot of that on a personal yeah. level. But, but, you know, like they said, things get worse, but then they also get better. And, and it did. So then they, they transferred me over to Samory High with Glenn Golden, which was a life changer. And yeah, he, he forced me to take those Hancock classes. I loved it. I did three years there. And then uh, I uh, I went over to we went over to Berkeley. I, I always say we because uh, my, me and my girlfriend met in high school, actually. Oh, okay. uh, I helped her escape from an abusive situation. So it was a foster child. Oh, wow. So she ran away with me on her 18th birthday, which is the... Uh, actually, it happens to be New Year's Eve, too. Oh, That's my Another gosh. whole interesting story but maybe another time we'll get into it. And uh, and we were both, you know, we both sent me high. We both went to Hancock. We we moved, you know, we kind of struggled together just on our own. And then we went to Berkeley and we just kind of made it our job to get every scholarship that we could get. Uh, she ended up getting like the Miriam Hancock, you know, which is one of the most prestigious scholarships. We went on to Berkeley and we've been at it. You know, we always joke that if we ever want to apply to Harvard, they better take both of us. Otherwise, they better not, you know, it's one, it's either both of us or none. It's back deal. <laughs> yeah, they were a package Man, deal for sure. What a great story. If I oh. get one, yeah. <laughs> hey, can we also give a plug to Saturday High School? All right, oh, yeah. so I teach at El Camino, and El Camino gets sometimes shot upon, and I, so I feel like the same thing about Saturday High School. Yeah. I cannot say enough, and Krista is right there, and you two, I'm sure, would agree, that high school's got some teachers that just kick tail. My kids are going to UCSB and UCLA, and I'm sure my third kid's going to go to a great college because of that great school, and People need oh. to understand that is a great school. I there. went to Santa Maria High. Yeah, I'm I am now a graduate of UCSB, and I teach at El Camino. And yeah. last year we had more graduates going to UC schools from Santa Maria High wow. than a much more higher socioeconomic high school like mm-hmm. Pioneer and, and Rigetti. And it's just because of such amazing teaching over there. Yeah. Those teachers and you guys both probably I didn't go there, but can vouch for this. They almost all give up their lunches every time. Every Every day yeah. for kids. I was just talking to someone about that the other day. Because now as a union rep, uh, I'm like, oh my goodness. They need my, to stop. <laughs> my, yeah, exactly. My poor English teacher and drama teacher yeah. always gave up their lunches so that nerds like me could go in there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I would totally tell teachers today not to do that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm just... You know, I, I would not not let them. But, sure. No. But that's I mean, a tough call. If they're being abused, if they're not being. Yeah, uh, but if yeah. it's of their own. Right. Yeah. Because, but I look back, I'm like, those were the teachers who totally 
helped me through those awkward years. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. well, you know, I'm I'm very very proud of her high school. Um, so you know, when we had her, her press uh, release or press media event today, it was really nice of Gloria to mention. You know, when I when when we took some students to Harvard, four of the five were Samaria High School graduates, and they wow. killed it. Like there was a three day conference, and they were the most attended, oh. the most excited. We we got Harvard professors telling us how amazing they were. Oh. It was incredible, and, and I'm very proud. Of I'm you. not surprised, but I'm proud. I yeah, no, yeah. I'm just proud. Yeah, that's that's cool. absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your focuses on the school board? Like what, what were your priorities? Yeah, what yeah. would your priorities be? So, number one, obviously, is student success. Yeah. And uh, obviously, that's a <laughs> very, very uh, general yeah. <laughs> uh, way of putting it. But, I mean, you know, I think it, throughout the years, especially since I've been in, in the district, I think we've done a good job of moving away from, from standardized testing. You know, I grew up in the No Child Left Behind and all of that. And I think oh, we're wow. doing a good job of moving away from that. Uh, but I yeah. do think that there's more that we can do. Like I mentioned, adding the A, you know, the, mm. adding the arts for sure oh, uh, is that. very important. Can we just clink to that also. Yeah. I'm sorry, we do a lot of this today, but man, I can't tell. And arts, they contribute so much to everything else. English, math, history, science, everything else. But I think I've said this before on the podcast too, but yeah. beauty and art are sometimes like the arrowhead into deeper knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, and making kids lifelong learners yes, rather than just exactly. pawns. And yeah. that's one of the issues, and maybe we can touch on this in, in, a, in a few moments, but with our students losing their electives yeah. for ELD. But anyway, yeah. we'll come back to that, I guess. But yeah, yeah. yeah. well, um, sorry, priorities. No, 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 yeah, so. We're all over the place, that's right. So, I mean, so continuing with the student success, definitely the arts, and, and I think also we have a very challenging district. That's no, you know, no. Um, no secret. But uh, given that we have about 63%, according to the last LCAP, right, the, the 63% of our students are English learners. And I was an English learner student. And I can tell you, they focus you so much on English, on English, on English, on English. You're not proficient. You're not proficient. You're not proficient. And I was probably five grades ahead in math when I mm. came to the U.S. Wow. I was doing long division in kindergarten in Mexico because, you know, that's just kind of how it goes in, some, in other countries. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, math sciences, I was killing it. Yeah. But it had me focus so much in English that I lost that. And by the time I got to high school, I was behind on math as well. Oh, wow. So you didn't get to build on your strengths, which is such a yeah. core of education. So I think the problem is that we're focusing so much on deficiencies of our students okay. and not putting enough emphasis on, on their strengths, right? Wow. Where they can yeah. feel that so it's a booster self-esteem. It's a positive correlation with school. Yep. It's just so many good things that, that can come out of it. So that's, I think, another part of how we can affect success. And then the last part regarding success, of course, is a teacher-to-student ratio. We have, you know, in Santa Maria, I've heard, I've talked with some teachers that say they have almost nearly 35 students. Uh, the California standard, what they're trying to get schools down to is 28, and I believe CTA rec- uh, recommends 24 mm-hmm. per, per classroom. So we're not even close to even the California standard. So I think it, it, it just makes, you know, and that's actually one of the other reasons I decided to run. I, I was recently, you know, a couple months ago, there was the, the negotiations, and I remember reading some articles and, and just seeing how the district was not so willing to to kind of negotiate the student ratio to me that just did not make sense like i don't i don't 
at what angle that we're trying to look at it from. I think if yeah. you look at it from any angle, student ratio is always a very important. and of course and they the they game. go to not enough room uh-huh. in our district, and yeah. so then the next step is well, what are you doing yeah. to build so we do have the room? Exactly. So the yeah. so the deal on that, Abraham, just mm-hmm. to kind of catch up if you don't know this, yeah, the district is mandated to meet that California standard. Yes, yeah, you know, and if they don't meet that, they yeah. have to make an agreement mm-hmm. with the union. Yeah, and so that was part of the union. The negotiations the yeah. last cycle was the district just being like sign it, sign it, sign it, mm-hmm. give us that approval. It's like no, no, no. Like we want lower class sizes, and if you can't do that, then you need to compensate us for higher class sizes. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, there's other creative ways. You know, I, I've been talking with some folks about like co-teaching, just any, any kind of way to kind of put more eyes on our students. You know, have more places for them to get help, get connections, and, and mentorship. Yeah, right on. Think outside the box. There are ways to to slay this dragon, and it is a dragon in our district. I tell oh, you, yeah. Krista's class sizes. This is the best year she's had. In many years, she's like at 31. 30, 31. 31. And that's actually super low. 37 last year, 38? 34 last year, 37 the year before. Yeah. Wow. So no. It's we typical, have, though. That That's typical. When we have PE classes, 45, 50. In elementary, there's one that's 120. Oh, my wow. Because Man. they're putting like three or four classes out there with one or two PE teachers. And we're not talking about 31 in the district that has... You know, yeah, and it has not a whole lot of challenges. We're talking about 31 in a yeah. very difficult district. Well, Jose, yeah. I was just today finishing up grading those um, essays on smartphones that yeah. we all did. Because I have 34 in each class. And it's so, especially I feel like for English teachers, it's so hard to catch up. Yeah. I can't, and, and those kids need their essays and their sentences graded more than anybody, those EL kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they need constant feedback. They're going to improve. Yeah. But I just, I feel bad that I can't give them as much as they need. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for yeah. that. But when I was in sixth grade, actually, my teacher had a double uh, fifth and sixth grade. Class when I was in fifth grade, sorry, uh, she had a double fifth and sixth grade, and we had a teacher's aide that would kind of just take the English learner students, and I can tell you that helped a lot. I think. Yeah, you, yeah. Know. you got one on one, so or one on a, ten, or one yeah, on five. Yeah, but it was or... a more you know it was a more creative way of trying to address the even though it was two classes in one, yeah. we still had breakout groups and those kinds of things, and it just really you know yeah. helped a lot. Can I ask just yeah. as a curiosity question? You can edit this out if it might no, not really go. Yeah. Were you the Yale student that was kind of shy and worried about talking? class because it's it's embarrassing sometimes if you're not and and as an English teacher I want to know how I can make kids comfortable enough to just really practice in my class their language yeah. you know yeah I'm definitely I was definitely very shy mm-hmm. I mean you're in a new country new culture you don't know anyone it's it's very difficult sure so you want to be careful not to pressure them into like doing public speaking I mentioned to this the first time we met and I hope that we can also do a better job in our district of celebrating bilingualism. Yep. There is a reason our kids, yes. there is a reason our kids are behind a couple grade levels in English. They have something that people in America don't have, and we are trying to get them there, which is they are bilingual. We have to celebrate that. That is such a beautiful thing. I'm trying to get bilingual for 30 years of my life, and I'm still not there. I'm getting closer every year, but I need to spend some time Mako and actually just do it. Mm. Our kids are so beautiful and they have that, you know? And you know, I think that's a. Uh that's something that I, I find interesting. We have one school, right? One little program in Jimenez, I believe. Yeah. Great program. And, and I speak to a lot of parents who either have their kids there or wish they had their kids there. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of system, right? Oh, and, yeah. and just 
just the fact that we have a lottery system really speaks to me the need. Yeah, and, and the fact dude, that we're not meeting. Let's do more And uh, and I definitely. I'm not really ashamed to say we need more dual immersion because what parent wouldn't want their kids, regardless of where you come from, even if your kids, you know, is Anglo or if your kids African American, whatever it might be, you want them to succeed and have the opportunities when they grow up. You know, when I was at Berkeley, I would meet recruiters that would come from Google Argentina. You know, and and it's like, oh, you're bilingual, bingo, exactly. Here's another forty thousand dollars. What parent, regardless of their their background, wouldn't want their kids to be able to have those opportunities? You know. To be able to study abroad in Spain or in Italy, or mm. so I think you know the fact that we have, and 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 I think that also helps address some of the EL issues. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're killing two birds with one stone. So, so like my know. wife is pregnant, and we went to Disneyland this weekend, and there were you know you people from all over the world, and we're standing in line, we're hearing different languages, and I'm like, babe, I want our daughter. Mm. To speak multiple languages. My mom is deaf, so my first language, my first language was sign language. Mm-hmm. Like, right out the womb. We're going to start teaching her <laughs> sign language. I want her to learn Spanish, French, like Italian. I want her to learn any language. Yes. Because people who know multiple languages are way more intelligent. And don't you think also that they empathize more with other cultures? Yes. Right? Isn't that but a there's, thing? I think part of the whole stigma against bilingualism is this deification of the English language. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's tragic. And it's also it the case because English is the prominent language throughout the world that you don't need to, which doesn't say you shouldn't anyway get a second language. Exactly. Yeah, yeah but we're the only country in the world that has that, like... You know, monolingualism. Yeah. So focused on it. Oh. You know, I studied abroad in Europe, and you know, people speak three, four languages every day, like it's nothing. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I could tell you they're better off for it sometimes oh, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to add, ask you one thing. Um, earlier, you mentioned um, that you had some abuse in your in your past, and mm-hmm. I don't want to get into the particulars. I, I really but... don't mind sharing, so long as folks that are listening feel comfortable. You know. Yeah. And warned. <laughs> our listeners, our listeners. And that's our that's our trigger right that's there. Trigger. trigger warning. Yeah, right trigger there. warning. Go go color a book. Yeah. Um, just kidding. It's terrible. Anyway, that's the kind of thing I'll cut out. <laughs> um, so my question to you is like, I know for you, you you were looking at increasing in our district um, preventative um, health yes. for um, mental health or. Psych- psychological assistance. Yes. Yeah, so, so one of the other things uh, going to the the main three, right? So that will be the second one. Will be more student resources, and one of the big ones in, in that is definitely. I think we need to stigmatize mental health, especially in our community that's been affected by violence, by suicide, by bullying, by a lot of different, you know, behavioral issues. I think it also benefits the teacher that we're demystifying that because I know that teachers often have to wear many, many hats. You know, have to be social workers, psychologists, and, you know, all these kinds of things, and and, and it's too much. And so I think one of the things that I'm happy to see that the district has done some work on is that now they roughly have one psychologist per site, which wasn't the case even just a couple years ago, right? Yeah. But I've talked with some of the psychologists, actually got in a group with a group of them, which is great. They're, they're awesome people. And uh, I study psychology too, so I'm super into that kind of stuff. And so um, one of the things they mentioned was that they're so busy with so many crises, doing all the paperwork, you know, IEPs and all these things for the children are already in crises that they don't have any chance to go out there and do what you would normally think a psychologist would do, you know? They're really they're just there filling out paperwork instead of going out and talking to the students. And oh, man, therapy. did we see that? Yeah. 
And so I think one of the things we desperately need is more preventative mental well-being staff and resources. Right you know? And obviously, I'm not saying that the district can do everything. You know, we can, you know, we can fix hunger and all these other things and mental well-being. But I do think that we can invest in that or start at least questioning it. Obviously, as a single board member, I can't make decisions, but I definitely am someone that's going to bring up those questions. Yeah, but look then, into it. See yeah. how we can work. And, you know, we both, I, I, I hope I don't, you don't mind me bringing you into this. Um, Krista, you too. We see a, a, a definite improvement in the last couple of years. Oh, in the totally. amount of mental health uh, mm-hmm. uh, help our kids are getting. Yeah, totally. It's good. And so we're on the right track. Yeah, so I definitely applaud the district for that, mm-hmm. and I want to keep it going. And also, you know, how do we improve our referrals to mm-hmm. outside agencies that, that maybe if we can't provide the services, then we need to make sure that we have something that's quick and efficient. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to just be super mean right now and beg you also because I got you on the spot. I can't stand that we send our suspended kids home. Mm. I can't stand it. And by the way, the suspended kids who are bad, they really are bad in our classes sometimes. Mm -hmm. They're crying out for help. The kids who are being... And I'm going to use a kind of a mean word right now, jerks in our class. That's because they need the love the most. It's weird that yeah. the kids who we don't want to help the most, they're the ones that need it the most. So we send them home when we suspend yeah, them. Yeah. I wish we could not. But, Joel, you've had students in the past, and, and I didn't have this particular student, and I won't say his name, but you know who I'm talking about, I'm sure who just drove all of his teachers crazy. He yes. wasn't one of my students, yes. but I would always walk by him sitting outside. Yes. And he came back to visit you, I think, recently, correct? Or you saw him somewhere? The, and he's the doing... track star? Yes. 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 And that's another, that's him getting love. Mm-hmm. Academics need to be thrown away when a kid needs love first, right? right. And that's what we did. I that's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to like be all into the details of history or English yeah. if their basic needs aren't being met. Absolutely. Yeah. The way I like to put it is, you know, how do we expect to educate them if we can't engage them as a human being? Right. Amen. And, and so, yeah, I, I think... And, and teachers already have a lot going on, right? So so that's, I think, why we really do need to really think about whether we need additional staff that can help with those things mm-hmm. to give them that special, um, you know, help that they need, just like I was there. You know, I was in that risk. I almost dropped out of high school. So I think we need we need to look into that, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, a trend that's growing, not to send them home, yeah. but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things that are being yeah. practiced out there, and even in in our nation in our and explored and explored. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you know, I've seen like videos. I'm sure some of you have seen it, like on YouTube, where there's like they do yoga during detention, mm-hmm. or, or they do group therapy. I think mm-hmm. would be great, you know, mm-hmm. during detention or those kinds of things. And yeah, absolutely. Right. There was a time I'm embarrassed to say it, El Camino. When we sent them to detention, we made them sit there. They couldn't even do their homework. They wanted to do something super positive like homework, so they wouldn't get busted again when they got to class. We <laughs> right. wouldn't even let them know. put your head down. Yeah. So we're getting better for sure. We are. We are. So I was going to ask you another question because I feel like when I engage the district and I've had interactions, and I won't name names, with people in the district, like, hey, let's do this event. Let's try to involve parents. And they don't really have 
a good strategy for engaging parents. It's almost like they just check it off the box. Yeah. What's your response <laughs> to that? Well, um, uh, so switching a little bit to my community organizer, we always, um, you know, there's there's this, uh, it, it's unfortunate really, but uh, we've had many events with the public and, you know, we usually get about 100 people, maybe 150, which is decent. Uh, but, you know, the, the city sometimes spends so much money on sending, I don't know if you've ever got, things by mail but remember just recently they sent this huge thing with the mayor and and uh, or, or state assemblyman and and they spent a lot of money on it and one family showed up wow and they spent a lot of money on that and we just turned around and and what we did was i think you know they always say like if you can't do it yourself then think of how you can help others do it and that's kind of like the organizer's one of the main rules is you don't necessarily have to put everything on your shoulders, but how do you organize people to also help you do it so we can get more people and so on, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so as, a, as an organizer by, by you know, by, by trade, I kind of think that that's some of the skills I'm definitely going to hope to bring to the to yeah. the district where we're not just checking boxes. So I think one of those things is, you know, they've been providing more interpretation, which I think is absolutely necessary and I'm, uh, I commend them for that. Even with uh, Ms. Deco. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've been doing a great job of, of adding yeah. more. But how do we engage the parents in a more thoughtful way? So one of the things, for example, is Sometimes people forget that parents work till seven, you know, six, seven p.m. Right, mm-hmm. so, and we're having yep. these meetings at you know eleven a.m. or three p.m. Thinking, oh yeah, they're gonna show up. So that's that's kind of like a disconnect mm-hmm. from from our community. Um, other things is is getting parents to organize other parents. I think yeah. that's absolutely. That's I think great. we've yeah. seen some of that in the high school mm-hmm. with something that you know I like to call cafecito, which is you know like getting coffee type of mm-hmm. thing. These parents meetings, or PETA has been doing some of that work as well, and I really think that we need to do more of that in, in our district yeah yeah absolutely even like principals that can speak spanish like our principal finally at el camino speaks finally. spanish yeah it's such a beautiful thing <laughs> and just through that i mean when we have events that matter to parents man do they come to, uh, to these events in droves, in droves. yeah well and, and you'll see me i'm the kind of person that will volunteer to translate if there's not a translator on site mm. so if i'm elected you'll see me like i'll go down there and translate for them if you don't have an, you know a translator or interpreter i'm sorry in the house it's like uh, that's i'm not above you know doing that kind of stuff all right on that's, that's awesome huge you know in terms of parent engagement when we do back to school night or um yeah open a house we get tons of parents but when we do like school site council Mm. nobody shows up right like what's the disconnect there well and you know i think again going back to the the example with their city i've noticed and it might just be a correlation and you know what they say correlation is not causation but um i've always noticed that when the city has like a meeting it's always the city talking to the community talking at them when cause you know when i work by day when cause has or other nonprofits, what do you think what do you tell us right we want to hear from you and so i think that's one of the things um, absolutely like yeah when you're just talking to someone it's just you're not engaging them right yeah. so are you talking at them or are you talking with them right that kind of difference yeah. uh, and, and just it, it with the mentality yeah. yeah it's really cool to hear specifics from you yeah you know there are definite specifics that a community organizer knows to get our parents involved to, mm-hmm. to, to get things the ball moving and this I mean it really does come down to details yeah. yeah. No, yeah, of course. And, you know, obviously, I'm not saying, like, 
I mean, teachers, I, I know, have a lot going on, right? So saying, like, oh, we're going to need to hear now right. and write down what the parents are saying. and In other words, but, not to be too, they, too idealistic. No, but, but, but there should, you know, should be a method for, for parents to feel like it's a both way. It's a two-way street. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that, that's something that we can start with that value and then move on to the specifics from there. Yeah. So Abraham and I had lunch the other day, and one of my favorite books. I went, you know, CTA. They put on a community organizing training, and I went to it. And um, I think this was in LA years ago. And I had to read the Saul Alinsky book, Rules for Radicals. That was amazing. And is that something that's influenced you in terms of? I know everyone, everyone <laughs> poo poos Saul Alinsky, yeah. and regardless of his own personal so, politics. So fill me in on him. Obama was totally castigated for um, being a Saul Alinsky guy. Was he or was he I not? I would say I am too. But if you divorce Saul Alinsky from his ideology, his own personal politics, and purely look at his strategies and tactics for community organizing, Brilliant. And, and so... So I have read Sal Alinsky, and I mean, I, I like to read a lot of different things, so I'm not just a Alinsky guy, but, you know, I have learned a bit, especially with community organizing. And I think what it really boils down to is it's almost like a, a manual guide of how to get stuff done. Yeah. Like, mm. I've seen even, I've heard stories about, like, even, like, hardcore right-wing people reading that book oh just because they know, right? right? Like, it's it's a strategy. Speaking of hardcore right-wing, they will say, oh, Alinsky, I won't listen to anything you're going to say now because of that Name, I know. I'm sorry to bring that up. No, but that's you. We can't be to, um, kowtowing to those people who are going to be like, "Well, you are a Linsky guy." No, it's the ideas that matter always, right. not the yeah. association. Well, it's the strategies that matter, right? Strategies. Exactly. Alinsky's big thing was like listening. Yeah. And so when you were saying, you know, top down talking to the parents, Alinsky was all about like going into a community and being like, "What do you guys want? What do mm-hmm. you think?" And starting there. And then building strategies and tactics around that. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, so I definitely think that it's kind of, uh, that the whole reputation is not necessarily, it's not justly put on there. Like the whole negative connotations are not really just. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, people are going to have, and, and to some degree, it's like, well, I mean, I, hopefully the right people are reading that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That's true, because like you were saying, there's some, some people who are far out from the right wing. Yeah, and I'm talking like, you know, extreme. Extreme. Like, just, yeah. Yeah, the extreme, who are looking looking at Saul Linsky, like, hey, this guy's got some good ideas for organizing. Because yeah. yeah. that's what it's all about. It's organizing, you yeah. know? And so yeah. for you, it's like you have that background, and you want to organize parents so yeah. they're more engaged with the process. Yeah, well, and, and, and students. I mean, I and think students. we forget mm-hmm. just because they're not voters. We kind of forget that what the whole purpose of our district is, right? It's, it's about the students and, uh, and who's speaking for them since they don't have a vote. Mm-hmm. And many of their parents don't vote, either because they don't or they can or whatever reason, right? And so who's speaking for them? So yeah. you, so tell us a little bit about your experience organizing the youth. Because I know you're involved in the town hall or task, task force. Yeah, so um, so I started with the, the city district. So that's one of my babies, I like to say. is well, not necessarily the district itself, but just if, like the maps and all that. Congratulations. If you go to my office, I have this big old map behind me of like all the districts and how they were shaped and all that, which it's not the best map, but it, it, it there was a lot worse. Mm. And, and I'm glad at least we got something a little more decent. Uh, and I so like I, to, that's, uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Oh, yeah. We about can talk that, about gerrymandering. Yeah. Oh, man. And, oh, yeah. I'd love to. But, I, I would love to hear about the details of that. <laughs> yeah. So I was thrown right into that when I started working. I started working early 20, um, 2017. And uh, yeah, I've just been doing that. And then 
the shootings happen or they have been happening for a long time, you know, and, and, you know, I had a specific student, uh, she was a new college student who one of her good friends was one of the Ooh. victims and he passed away. Ooh. And so I went to the vigil and it was very, you know, very moving. I was very sad and Ooh. the parents were there and, uh, and that really kind of got me involved into, um, what's going on with their violence, the violence happening here. And so we, we noticed that the city was doing, a they call it the mayor's task force on youth violence. Yeah. And we showed up and we noticed that it was the same people that have always been there, right? And not not to disrespect, I think I I am super grateful for all that they're doing, you know, probation and their police and everybody's doing. But but I think when you're doing policy that is about youth policy, you probably should have a couple youth involved, right? (laughs) And they absolutely did not have a single high school or anybody, right? Anybody under thirty in there. And so we organized and said, Well, you know what? Uh, how about you include you know, we'll get you some representatives. We'll even hold elections. And we went out, organized the three schools, Rigetti, um, you know, Pioneer and Santa Maria. We got, we got 75 students to come over and hold elections, 15 possible candidates. And we elected two with a backup. We showed up at the meeting and they didn't want to include them. Wow. They were ready to go. They were all trained up, you know, ready to speak on the issues that are important to them. And, uh, and they, they didn't include their input or anything on that. So, so that was definitely very frustrating, but we didn't, you know, as an organizer, one of the things is you don't stop organizing, regardless if they give you something or if they don't, if they give you crumbles, whatever that might be, you don't stop organizing, uh, you know, ever. And so we, we continued with it, our, our youth town hall, where we had over 150 people, 100 of them being under the age of like 20, 22. Wow. Uh, most of them, we even had some fast learner El Camino uh, students, a lot of high school and a few Hancock College. And then uh, we kind of built a report, you know, so we're just kind of, and we're looking at other ways. So the city kind of brushed us off a bit. Uh, we have been able to work with them lately. I think the fact that we were able to get all those numbers and all that youth involved really kind of like showed sure. that they need to pay attention. And But we also have been making some progress with the police department, with the wow. probation, with the schools and so on. Right on. That's awesome. That's, That's kind of the my main actually, two projects that I've been in the past two years. That's good. The mayor actually came to my class and kind of picked my students' brains a little bit. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the follow-up to that was. But mm. Yeah, they're still, I mean, to be honest, they still haven't, I don't think they've done a whole lot. Uh, I mean, it's already kind of been a year since they started the task force. <laughs> and I, I don't think there's a whole concrete things that they've actually implemented or done. But. It seems to be as simple as you're, young and we're just not going to listen because you're young and you're just not wise enough it's just that simple to me you know it's just crazy when i think there's a mentality that we need to start opening our eyes up to i have a we had a student that was 17 at the time and she said man i don't know why i don't understand why all these older folks just because i disagree with them or because i speak about my truths they think i'm being disrespectful and i'm not but because someone is speaking out for some reason they take it in a negative way and and i don't feel like they should that's that's i'm quoting them you know but but i would guess that the disrespect came from the fact that they were young yeah Yeah. just that it could be yeah which is crazy i think so to that point about being young, you know, you, you, we look at New York, and there's that Alexandria mm-hmm. Ocasio-Cortez who's running in yes. Brooklyn. Yes. We have, like, many of those here in Santa Maria. We have you. <laughs> We've got Gloria Soto, who yeah. I got to finally meet today, who is wonderful. I've met Rafa Gutierrez many times. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this all about? What's with all these Is this a, like, <laughs> no, but seriously, is, this is a groundswell, No. 
I don't know. It I, seems like there's something changing. Well, the thing is, I, and I tell everybody, we are gonna li- we're living in an era that will be written for many years to come, mm-hmm. and uh, these are really changing times. And I I think that. Um, a lot of people have always had this misconception that millennials and whatever, you know, they're just Thai pot eating kids <laughs> and whatever you ha- have you. But but on the contrary, I think we're going to see some of the most more aware and civically engaged people. I mean, it's going to take, it takes a while, right? But we're getting there. You know, millennials are finally starting to get into their 30s and so on. And, and they're going to start, yeah. we're starting to realize we're adults and, and actually, you know, get involved in these things and, and realize that we need to fix some stuff. Embracing adulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And has any generation been forced to reckon with their situation as much as millennials? No, right? Well, I, mean, think I, about, I mean, Think about the Revolutionary War generation. Yeah, it could be from these that. These guys were like, Thomas Jefferson was what, in his 30s? Yeah. A lot of these guys were young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there's some even people that signed the declaration that were like under 18. I think the youngest was like 14 or something like that. Oh, that's, wow. That's yeah. cool. So it's the young people, I think, yeah. who I, I, we, we kind of glamorize, I think, the yeah. older, you know, greatest generation. Yeah. For for a good reason, yeah. But I think I don't think we need to have this kind of like battle of the generation. Yeah, we need I, agree. I agree. And, and this whole this whole pigeonholing of generations. Yeah. These guys are this, and it's called late. Well, and even there are generalities that can be said, but but yeah. they usually don't hold. I was listening to our podcast. <laughs> I know we're bad. We, we've trashed millennials. Oh yeah, we're bad <laughs> so many times. And yeah. I'm a millennial, so yeah. yeah. yeah well, and, and same thing with you know like the li- right and the left and all that. Yeah. I always tell people if we're gonna get out of this mess that we're stuck in, we're gonna have to start building bridges to each other instead of yeah. getting farther and farther yeah. apart. I definitely look towards people like Beto, you know, in, in Texas. I think uh, he's definitely someone that I've I've been looking a lot into. I think mm-hmm. he's great, and yeah, yeah. And that's what this show is all about is is getting out of our echo chambers, yeah. basically, and and not being um, beholden to is such um, a problem. Is is um, what's the psychological problem where you always seek out confirmation? And bias. I ask you this every time: <laughs> confirmation bias, staying away from confirmation bias. Now, what would you do with kids who uh, are EL kids and who we have an issue where we can't move them along to what's called redesignated because they, we are putting standards in front of them that they can't meet because they're really high standards. In fact, I did a little study last year with my regular English class wow. and found out that my regular English kids, these are kids who are English-speaking mm-hmm. kids, right? Benchmark. Could not pass wow. the benchmarks that these EL kids, 25% of my EL kids could not pass whatever. Be- and, and the sticking point, which we've discussed before, is Lexile level, this kind oh, of yeah. goofy um, leveling thing that we do where kids have to read a certain level. They'll get there eventually. I mean, have you heard about what we do for EL kids? And, criteria. Yeah, and the criteria we expect them to reach to be able to be redesignated as mm-hmm. English speakers. And maybe you've even gone through this as an EO kid. Yeah. Or maybe the laws were actually different back I, then. I maybe. did went through it, but I'm sure some things have changed. Yeah, so, oh yeah. So I'm not I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm not I'm not caught up with specifically what's happening at the moment. I think when we look at all the things regarding student success, it's it's a difficult thing, but I think there is a, a simple way to start. Like, I guess that's the way I'm going to put it. Not a simple solution, but a simple way to start. The, the difficulty is that we have a system, right, that we're trying to get every single person to 
kind of form into, right? And we, we call it like the factory, the cookie, you know, the cookie yeah. cutter type of thing. And I think just regardless of what district, what area, whatever, humans are very different, mm. variety, they come in all shapes and sizes mm. and so on. And it's very difficult to just, that just by the system itself, right? It's difficult. Mm. But I think my thinking of how we can start addressing that is how do you, uh, how do you measure success and achievement in many different ways? And then, and then again, like in ways that maybe you'll be surprised. You know, a lot of these kids might be geniuses in math, but because we're so focused on them not reaching that English, we're kind of missing their, their strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to look at everything as a picture. And I think that's just a, a way to start. Yeah. And just to throw out something to get our audience thinking, um, it's sort of a conflict between objectivism and subjectivism because Mm -hmm. the law requires objective measures. And we, as teachers, we have these subjective opinions. This kid is not an EO kid. This kid is speaking fluently and dreams in English and all the things we know a fluent English speaker does. But we can't move them on to be what we call redesignated because of these objective measures. And so you hit the nail on the head. Well, so to follow up on what Joel asked then, what's your take on all these kids who are losing their elective to take a second English class, basically? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. I... I definitely understand why people want to focus on getting them caught up with English. But I also question whether having extra classes is going to catch them up any faster. I mean, you know, learning a language is a long-term process. You know, I, yeah. I've, I've learned, like, French and Italian and so on. And it takes a lot of practice. It, to be honest, it takes – it's more practice and less – like, it's a bit of learning, but it's more practice to actually get the yeah. hang of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I definitely think it's a shame that the district is going that way. I would definitely question it and, and – and obviously, you know, again, work with the board to try to see if we can route, bring back some of the electives because I'm, I absolutely am sad to hear that and to know that. But but yeah, it, you know, obviously one person can only do so much, and I will yeah. try. Believe me. But uh, and that's actually where community organi- organizing can help because parents actually push their kids to be into thinking, not knowing the research mm-hmm. and thinking that that actually is effective. But research shows actually thinking a variety, and you and you go through the the motivation mm-hmm. avenue right. versus the hammering 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 away yeah. at, and they speak so much more in art class they're forced yeah. to yeah. and and it opens up whole new neuronal pathways and i mean they're the the research is replete yeah and again that might be somewhere where even like bilingual education might also yes. be able to help you know because then we can provide bilingual electives and then true you know, or, or those kinds of things even so just i mean we gotta look outside the box right yeah <laughs> that we don't have language class also i did at fessler i don't know if you guys I did, did at fessler we had spanish class at no. fessler yeah, wow. we, yeah we lost that yeah which is crazy. And I have a weird question for you, and I don't know. Maybe I'll delete this if this doesn't really – if this is a sensitive question, I guess. But looking at the current school board, do you see potential allies on there for moving forward this kind of an agenda? It's – I I always like to approach everyone. I mean, even to this day, I, I get a lot of questions about how I can be, like, against, like, our mayor or certain city council members. And I tell them, no, I really – admire the work that they do it's not easy and i respect them mm-hmm. for that you know our mayor i think is one of the hardest working mayors we you know ever but it doesn't mean that i necessarily agree with 
her decisions, right? Or that I think she's the right person for the job or something like that. Similarly, I like to approach everyone always, like I said, on the, with the intentions of building bridges. So I, I want to look at how I can work with all of them, every single one of them. But I don't know. I mean, that's... You know, they, that's some of the things that I'm going to have to start navigating as if I am elected. Right now, at the moment, obviously, they've been very kind, very, you know, very supportive and so on. And But obviously, to, to the limits, because they can't just go out and endorse someone. Mm-hmm. So they're keeping kind of their, their cards closed. So I, I'm, I, I, I like to live by the, the four, uh, what's the cuatro cuerdos, the, the, the four sayings. I can't think of the English translation right now, but it's basically los cuatro cuerdos. Sí. Um, I'm sure we can find it, but it's essentially you know don't take anything personal don't make assumptions always do your best and the fourth one always i always forget (laughs) and it's not coming to me right now but basically i am kind of person that really likes to live by those things and not just say that oh it sound cool but i really do try to live that so i i have no hard feelings against anyone if they disagree with me but that does not mean that i'm gonna stop believing what i believe just because they don't what i've heard often too is like no permanent friends no permanent enemies Yeah. yeah Just constantly, like, where can I make allies? Where can I make alliances? Yeah. And regardless of their own ideologies, that's where I need to work. I can make an alliance with this person. And that goes along with don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good or the better, you know, because... If we can inch along, you yeah. know, let's do it. Yeah. Just inch along. Yeah. And I mean, we're stuck. We're stuck together, right? Whether we like it or not, we're going to be living together. So we might as well try to find the ways to that we can make it work as best as possible for all of us. Yeah. So, man, this is outstanding, Abraham. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And we are, as a union, going to be pulling for you. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you. Thank um, you so much. We'll be doing um, some functions for you. I know in the future. And um, we want to right now uh, urge everybody listening to this podcast to if Abraham's words tonight aren't convincing he is more than willing and happy to talk to anybody out there and will be doing so in the future and we urge you if you've got any questions to get a hold of him he'd be more than happy to talk where can I website. find you? Yeah, yeah, so you can find me on abrahammelendres.com or abemelendres.com and also facebook.com uh, forward slash abe for SMBD or SMBSD. Sweet. Awesome. Well, That's we're awesome. pulling for you. And um, man, your background is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And your loquaciousness, your, your um, thoughtfulness is just an inspiration. I mean, a true inspiration. We don't, it's incredible. And your is. story. Oh, my Lord. Well, it always helps to have awesome hosts like you, too. So thank oh, you for having me. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Thank so, one more cheers. I mean, <laughs> we never cheered so much on the show, but this That's is the great. most. survive today come tomorrow we're gonna find a way all right so as we wrap up uh, joel and i uh like to end our show by talking about something that we're reading or watching or we're listening to so this week i have two things usually joel has two things but this week i've got two things one there's this artist to he does christian music but he's so good ike indolo i-k-e N-D-O-L-O. Ike Ndolo. He has this new album out called Shine. And it, it's so good. It's this mix of like hip-hop and elect- electronic music. I'm not hip. I don't know all the terms. Mm. But I think it's elect- 
electronic. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got one song on there called Your Table. And it tackles racism in our society, but it really tackles racism that exists in Christian churches. Ooh. Which is so... What, you know that? what are you talking about? <laughs> it's so powerful. Like, I've been listening to that song so much and just, like, rebuking myself, I guess. But he says, like, you know, there, you know, he grew up black in the churches, but he would go to church and there's this white Jesus, blonde hair, blue eyes, looking down on him. The only black family in the white church. Pops went to mass in some dope shirts. Mama made sure we never missed a thing. Blue-eyed Jesus looking down on me. Brown skin always seemed to be the enemy. And you have people who are, you know, going to church every Sunday, but they don't invite the black family over to their home. It's a powerful song. I totally recommend it. I Condolo, Your Table. And I'll put a clip right here, too. That's my story that I want heard. A black kid growing up in the suburbs. White God, white cops, white preachers. White shows, white songs, white teachers. See the world through another's eyes. Maybe learn how to empathize. Very cool. One more time. I Condolo. And his album's his album is called Shine, but this particular song is called Your Tape. Second thing, I picked up last week Bob Woodward's book Fear. Oh, you were telling me you're gonna it that. is amazing. So he starts the book starts off with um, Trump having these meetings where he's like, "We're gonna pull out." Of our agreement with South with South Korea, we're spending billions of dollars. You're so good at that. <laughs> yes, you're so good at that. And so someone, I'm assuming it was Jared, typed up a letter to the South Korean president saying, we're pulling out of the agreement, and put it on his desk. And Gary Cohn, who is one of his financial advisors, happened to walk into the Oval Office and saw the letter on his table, took it off his desk. And he's like, I have to save the country. I have to do it for the country. That's where we are as a country. is shocking. <laughs> and then Trump was like all upset. We gotta pull out this agreement. Okay, this is not good. Because we're spending billions of dollars on, you know, the military and we have a trade imbalance with South Korea. So this guy's like, this is ridiculous. So he calls Defense Secretary uh, Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis, in to talk to Trump. And he's like, you realize that North Korea has nukes and they can hit like LA within 30 minutes. We're in South Korea. And so they can, can hit Seoul in, in seconds. Seconds. And he's like, we're in we're in South Korea so that we can shoot down those nukes within 30 seconds. We need our military presence there to protect the country. And he's like, it's like explaining this to a fifth grader. He's got the he's got the brain capacity and understanding of a fifth grader. These are people in his White House. This is not like some rabid liberal, like, you know, left winger. These are people in his White House. Did we even talk wow. about the anonymous editorial? We did not. We didn't, I don't think. To, no. to the New York Times. I wouldn't be surprised if that was Mattis. Who do you I, think that I is, by was, the way? I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was John Kelly. Yeah, no, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. But now he's gonna be I'm sorry, this is a total tangent, but he might be firing Rod Rosenstein, who admitted 
did. Apparently, it was reported in the New York Times, one, that he would wear a wire in a meeting with the president. Two, that they should seek to impeach Trump on the 25th Amendment. Which is his not having the faculties. Not, facu- not having the faculties um, be president. Yeah. Interesting. And he denied it, but he's going to be fired, I'm assuming. Yeah. I worry, as somebody who desperately wants that regime to end, that you push too far in that sense and you lose independence. That's what I worry about. Mm. I don't it's know. possible. I don't know. It's I, that's why I worry about them going too far down that road, at least until the election. Wait, yeah. please, don't do mm. that until afterwards. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. I have been racking my brains on on what to talk about this week, and then I realized, oh, I save all the good articles to my great pocket um, account. So if you guys um, haven't gotten pocket and you uh, need to save articles to read later, get it. And I obviously don't get paid by them. So, um, okay. Jose, How Puberty Kills Girls' Confidence. Crazy title for... But great article in The Atlantic about what happens to our junior high kid girls who are super, super confident before they hit the hormone stage. Wow. And then they lose it. And what we as teachers can do to help them. Kind of interesting. Are you guys not totally going to read that now? Yeah, I'll put put that in the show notes. Absolutely. It is is really good. Um, Another one that I thought was so good is everything you know about obesity is wrong. You know what? Doctors have been completely wrong about obesity for so many years. And the main thrust of this article is actually even into our in our days, doctors shame obese people when they come into their office. Mm. Still, they still do, mm-hmm. which is the exact wrong thing. My doctor to do. calls me my doctor calls me fatty every time I walk. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. If you read some of the anecdotes, that's not too far off. <laughs> really? Which is crazy. Yeah. It's your willpower. It's all this other stuff. Instead of giving them we talked about community yeah. organizing yeah. and real practical rubber hits road details instead of doing that they they just go off the off the edge and one i'm sorry uh meet the trans humanists who are turning themselves into cyborgs great title should say all you need to to know to read that article uh we are eventually i am convinced and i think we kind of did this in our technology technology. i think we are all eventually melding into half human half technological the next step in evolution so i really (laughs) believe that i i don't know no, we, we, we disagreed. I think about that. I do not agree with that yeah. at all. So, but yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily <laughs> like it, but I think it's happening. So anyway. I might. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I think the people basically who don't do it are going to be left behind. So I'm kind of worried about poor people. Yeah, true. I mean, because I'm sure there's a lot of books about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's okay. The global warming will drown them all anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, Brian. So two things that I like to do to kind of wind down, especially right now when I really need to, um, just to try to. I'm always into reading those kinds of things, but right now I'm kind of taking a break, you know, from some of the uh, national stuff just to <laughs> focus on my own local stuff. But uh, I, I really got into playing the electric guitar recently. My boss oh. Hazel actually let me borrow. She was gonna. Put her in storage and I'm like no let me borrow it and I got this game called Rocksmith that essentially teaches you how to play the guitar real time from beginners to advanced and you're playing in the real guitar you hook it up with like a USB plug up to the electric you know it's really really cool so have you ever heard of what's that uh, rock band rock band, rock band guitar so is girl. it kind of like rock band but with the real guitar with the real guitar yeah so it's really that awesome brilliant I was highly wondering if somebody's going to come out with that yeah highly recommend it bunch of awesome songs and then the other thing uh, I kind of feel bad for my nerd badge because I <laughs> don't it took me until 
this uh, this month for me and my fiance to catch up with all of Stranger Things on Netflix. Oh, and yeah. that then so in turn good. got us into Dungeons and Dragons again. We kind of were in it when we were in co- into a, in college, and yeah. so I, I'm starting like a little group for for that. I'm kind of like the dungeon master type of thing. Get so back kind of into been, it. I wonder. They have a place in the mall. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah, yeah. My friend plays all kinds of magic leisure. Cards I think it's like leisure time. Games. Yeah, we have a colleague yeah. who I think does it. That yeah. I wonder if yeah. Oh really? Yeah. We need Luke. We need him yeah. on the show too. Yeah, we we'll, we'll, we'll talked about him. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking for players or parties if anybody's. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. Make sure you, you check out that mall station. Yeah. Yeah. I used to play the Star. I used to play D and D, but then I also played the Star Wars. Version. Oh, nice, nice. Because so, yeah. I'm that much of a nerd. <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. same here. <laughs> yeah, cheers. That's <laughs> a nerdism. I'll never forget that. Uh, when Jose uh, outlasted my kids in Star Wars trivia, and not even close, I thought nobody could do it. When somebody reads the novels, you know they're going to win. That's true. Like Jose. Yeah. Well, I've got fair. the background on that. I've read all the novels, which I guess have all sort of changed. Is it me or you? It's you, yeah. Right. But no, the, so the movies have totally destroyed all the novels. Yeah. They're <laughs> have they had canon. to rewrite them? Oh, well, no, they've done new novels. All yeah. those novels are now void. Yeah. Except for the video games, too. There were oh, some yeah. really good video games. Oh, yeah. Republic. Yeah, I want to play those a long time ago. All right, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You can do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes. Please be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find the show. Leave comments. We sometimes do shows on the comments. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Conversation on Tap is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Abraham Alendrez. That was super cool. And uh, we will see you again next week. Cheers. 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 Abraham Alendrez, 2018.